0: I was gone last week, and funny thing, Daniel preached on endurance, remember that, he preached on um, faith that Easter was seven weeks ago, hard to believe that, right, but Pentecost Sunday is today. And this day marks in history the day that the Holy Spirit was sent to the church and filled the believers. Say amen? I mean, we're a Pentecostal church, right? So, anyways. But I felt like God was leading this message up for quite a while, actually. And It's all on the Holy Spirit. And then two weeks ago when Tim preached, of course, it wasn't actually two weeks ago, it was... Uh, It was the missions guy that came. He mentioned Pentecost Sunday coming up. And I looked on my phone, and I'm like, of course, it is that day. The day that I'm preaching, it would be Pentecost Sunday. But how many of you know the phrase, the Christian faith is not a sprint, it's a marathon? You guys ever heard that before? You guys ever experienced that before? (laughs) How many of you tried to sprint the Christian faith, and it just did not work out? It just, it doesn't work. I'm somebody who, I used to do some running in my high school days and college days. I would do 5Ks, and I even got my own sister to do a 5K with me at one point. <laughs> but I used to do 5Ks and stuff like that. I love to run, and I still do. I just don't get to do it as often. But I ended up getting busy because went to college and got married First kid in college and felt like I didn't really have the time. My time got allocated elsewhere. got placed in different areas of my life. But I started running again recently and, man, it kicked my butt. (laughs) I would do 5Ks pretty pretty easily. I would be able to do a nine-minute mile throughout the whole thing. Pretty good pace. Um, And I tried to do that. This last time, (laughs) I jumped on the treadmill and I'm like, I'm going to start running again. I know what I'm capable of. I ran before. I know what I can do. So I get on the treadmill and I'm running along, running along. I'm like, this pace is too slow. (laughs) I was going to do two miles. And so I picked up the pace a little bit. I'm like, I can do better than this. I picked up the pace a little bit more. And I'm running and I'm running and I'm running. And I gave up at 1.85 miles. It was almost two miles. And I get home, and my wife is like, so how would you do? And I'm like, eh, I I did all right, I guess. She's digging in more, asking more questions. I'm like, okay, I stopped at 1.85. And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know you were going to do two miles. Why did you give up? I was like, well, I mean, she's like, you're almost there. If you didn't know, the last distance I had to run is like three blocks. It's like nothing compared to the two miles I was doing. But I gave up. And I feel like on my way home, God was just downloading to me in my failure. (laughs) How many of you have had that happen, right? And he was just speaking to me, this is what so many believers do. They jump into it. They get ambitious. They get excited. They get full of zeal and excitement. And they just go after it. Then they fall on their face. They don't make it. They don't run the distance. They don't endure to the end. They give up at a certain point. And it's oftentimes when they're almost even there. So close to the end that they stop. My goal was two miles. But I got bored with my pace. And I feel like that's the Christian faith a lot of the time. We're like, God, I know I'm capable of more than this. Like, just do what I give you. But God, I know I can do better. Just go with the pace I've given you. But we oftentimes put the cart before the horse. We rush into things and then we end up falling on our face later. Now I didn't fall on my face on the treadmill. Don't get that, okay? <laughs> but for me, I said, yeah, I'm done. How many of you have heard of somebody you know who's given up in their faith recently? Maybe in the last two years? For myself, I have so many friends that have called it quits. They've given up on their faith. They've given up on the church. They've given up on God. And I feel like it's because of this. This sermon is called Power to Endure. And it's funny, the things that Tim was talking about was all about trials, and tribulations, temptations. That was the last series that he did before he went on vacation. Hopefully he comes back. <laughs> He's in Florida. <laughs> but the passage I have, if you want to turn to there yourself, I'm not going to read it quite yet, but Colossians Chapter 1, verse 9 through 12. I made sure there wasn't overlap with Daniel's sermon. And Paul writes in this letter to the church of Colossae. And he's writing this letter to let them know he cares about them deeply. He loves them. And what's interesting about this is that he actually never even started the church there. It was somebody who heard the message of Jesus that he preached and went back to Colossae, which is where they were from, and started the church themselves. And there were some hardships they endured. He never established the church himself, but he loved it deeply. And he loved it deeply enough to be able to write a letter to them. And in Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 9, and I'm reading out of the ESV translation for this passage. I want you to pay close attention to these few verses. It says, And so from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's a good prayer, right? Here's where it gets real good. Verse 11, Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all what? Endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. As Tim always says, that's the reading of the word. I'm going to pray, and then we'll get moving on. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you spoke to Paul, that he was willing to pen into paper, or whatever it was that he wrote it on, God, that he was willing to be obedient to you, to speak your truth, even when it was hard to hear sometimes. God, I just pray that this truth would pierce our hearts, and would cut to our heart what we need to hear, in Jesus' name, amen. Now there's two words I want you guys to focus on, can you guess what they are? (laughs) That are in that passage? Endurance and patience. One of them was endurance. In light of the title, Power to Endure. It's power and endurance. Look at your neighbor and say power and endurance. Some of you don't have a neighbor. <laughs> Just kidding. Power and endurance. I think, especially as a Pentecostal church, we love the word power, right? We're like, yes, I want the power of God in my life to do amazing things. I want to change the world. I want to see miracles happen. I want to see the blind see, the deaf hear. Right? We want this. Because I hope you do. I mean, if you don't, I'm like, wow. (laughs) But these are the things that we, when we think of power, I know for myself, when I for the longest time, see the word power in Scripture, that's what I think of. I'm like, man, I want to see the amazing Pentecostal church just rise up and we change the world for Jesus. But guess what? The early church had a lot of things they had to endure. (laughs) And interestingly enough, in this passage, it says that the power is for what? It's for enduring. The power of the Holy Spirit given to believers is actually not to overcome. Did you know that? You already have in Christ. You've overcome all things through him already. I think the passages we often think of is Acts 1 when Jesus says to wait in Jerusalem for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit when you'll receive power, right? Right? And then a little bit later in the book of Acts, it also talks about Stephen, who's the first martyr, and it says that he was somebody who was full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Who doesn't want that in their life, right? I mean, I know I want that. We also think of 2 Timothy that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power. You guys know your Bible? Maybe a little bit? <laughs> the Holy Spirit was actually given for endurance. To endure the hardships. Because, I mean, Jesus had some serious hardships to endure, right? <laughs> it wasn't. Something that was given for just this feel-good-about-yourself faith and this hype faith. It was actually for your endurance and for the building of the kingdom. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's for. It wasn't to overcome, but we already have overcome. Let me read a passage to you. It says in 1 John 4, 4 in the NIV, it says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome.
1: You have overcome them
0: because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Right? Stephen's experience of power and the disciples, as well as, I mean, there's people even today, we had a guy that come and preached not that long ago who has a healing ministry and he did amazing things and he still does. And I think we often think of those people and go, I want to do great things. I want to do great signs and wonders just like those people. But every example of believers full of the power of the Holy Spirit had to endure some <laughs> amazing hardships. Just go read the book of Acts. They were thrown into jail They were made accusations against. They were, I mean, you look at the life of Paul, it gets real hard. Imagine if he didn't have the Holy Spirit. And he was just preaching this message of boldness, which I don't even know how he would do that in the first place. But if Paul didn't have the Holy Spirit, I don't believe he would have endured. I don't believe he would have carried it through to the end. Holy Spirit's power in your life is, for you to remain steadfast in the faith and to endure to the end. When I think of the life with the Holy Spirit versus the life without the Holy Spirit, I can't help but think of Peter, which Daniel pulled some passage from last week. He talked about Peter writing to the church. And he shared some interesting things about suffering, right? Church is going to suffer. You're going to have hardships. And Peter's one who knew that firsthand. So as we go to Scripture with Peter, I want us to look at his life, at least a little bit. I'll try to get through it at a decent pace. But I encourage you guys to check it out yourself.
1: I'm sure most of you are familiar with Peter
0: telling Jesus that he would die for him. He was real excited. He was real zealous, right? It was after the Last Supper. I mean, Jesus is about to be crucified in a matter of hours. And this first thing I want you guys to look at with the life of Peter is zeal to denial. He gets this excitement of zeal and passion. He was a bit impulsive. Anyone can relate to that? (laughs) But he was such an excited person. And it was all in or nothing. Everything was extreme to him. And God ended up using that for his glory. But we see in this conversation with Jesus... In Mark 14, he didn't have it all figured out. Mark 14, verse 26 through 31, and this one's in the New Living Translation. It says, Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. This is after the Last Supper. And on the way, Jesus told them, All of you will desert me. (laughs) How's that for encouragement, right? (laughs) We just had a meal with Jesus. We started Passover. First thing that comes out of his mouth on the way up, they're just on a walk. (laughs) All of you guys are going to leave me. You know that, right? That's what he says. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. They'll be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never leave. I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times, that you even know me. What does Peter say? No! No, Peter declared emphatically. That's with serious emphasis. (laughs) Sounds like a Peter statement, right? (laughs) Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. That's what he said, right? And all the others vowed the same. All the other disciples there. Now I don't think Judas was here at the time. Have you ever made a vow or a promise to God that didn't go? That didn't happen? God, I'm gonna do this for you. Did you follow through with it? Well, you can relate to Peter then. (laughs) So can I. Peter in this passage is so excited and so enthusiastic about how he wants to live for Jesus and do everything for him. Yet Jesus says what? You're going to deny me. Three times. Before the end of the night. Peter responds emphatically that he'll never, never deny him, yet he still does. Right? I think this resembles so many believers in the church today. We get excited, we come to faith, we're like, God, I'm going to do amazing things for you. I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to do that for you. And the road we walk doesn't quite look what we thought it would. It looks maybe a little bit more treacherous than we expected. We see ourselves slipping up a little bit more than we should. Or feel that we would have, right? And then we get filled with this shame. This guilt. It wasn't just Peter that stuck his foot in his mouth, though, right? I mean, imagine if it was just Peter and all the other disciples go, see, (laughs) look at Peter. (laughs) No, they all went along with him. He was just speaking the voice that they all had inside them. They all felt the same way. But here's the thing I feel like they were missing. In light of Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit. They did not have it yet. It was not present in their life, filling their life with God's glory and His power. They were missing something. Why couldn't they endure when the moment happened to endure? They didn't have the Holy Spirit. That's why. Proverbs 19, verse 2, New Living Translation says, Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. Some of you need to memorize this one. I feel like this is Similar to our Christian walk. We're like, I'm going to do this. We jump into it. We run fast. We sprint. Not realizing it's a marathon. (laughs) It's not a sprint. We get so hot-headed like Peter sometimes. We think we have it all figured out. Or we're missing the big picture and end up falling on our face at some point. Sometimes we're not following Jesus leading. Or sometimes we're just not flat out listening to him. Like Peter, nope, nope, not going to happen. We start to quiet him. Now fast forward a little while, and we see Jesus resurrected. Thank God for that, right? This was not the end of Peter's story. You guys know the between, that he ends up denying Jesus. It comes true, and he goes away weeps Literally, it says in Scripture, he's heartbroken over it. Because what he was trying to avoid ended up happening all along. In this next passage, we have this conversation that Jesus has with Peter. And I feel like this conversation he has is some that is very important for all of us. And that some of us maybe even try to avoid having. Jesus confronts him about his failure. And the way I title this with Peter's life is removing the baggage. I feel like that's what Jesus was doing here. After Jesus is resurrected, Peter didn't believe that he was resurrected. He was like, no, I don't believe that when the testimony of the ladies came. Ladies, you deserve to be heard. (laughs) That's for another time. (laughs) But in this passage in John, I love this story so much. In John chapter 21, starting at verse 15. It's a little lengthy here, but I'm going to read it. It says, after breakfast that Jesus made for him, (laughs) Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. I believe this is a conversation many people try to avoid having with Jesus. We commit the failure, whatever it might be. Maybe you did deny Jesus, like Peter. Maybe you said to him, God, I'm never going to do that thing again. Forgive me. And then a week goes by. Maybe even hours go by, like Peter. And then we avoid the scripture because we don't want to hear it. We avoid church because we don't want to hear what Jesus has to say. because We already know what it is, right? I can only imagine what was going through Peter's mind in this conversation. Do you love me? Yeah, Jesus, I love you. And then the second time, do you love me? Yes. I I said yes, didn't I? Part of me wonders if he was like, don't say it again, don't say it again. Please don't say it again. (laughs) Because why? He knew how many times he denied him. That conversation he had with Jesus was still lingering in his mind. I said I would do this, and I didn't. (laughs) I promised that I would do this. I gave up. <laughs> I believe Jesus was wanting to remove the baggage of the past for him. There was past baggage he was carrying with him. If you're going to do the things I've called you to do, Peter, you've got to let it go. You can't run this race I've set before you, holding on to this baggage. It's going to hold you back, It's going to trip you up again. You can't run the race unless you get rid of it. And that comes through the Holy Spirit's guiding and leading. Jesus had the Holy Spirit, and he's speaking through it, right? Speaks to Peter, do you love me? Then do what I've called you to do. (laughs) Do you love me? He confronted his failure with such love and grace. And like I said earlier, this faith, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. You can sprint a few blocks with a heavy bag on your back. (laughs) But running a marathon with a whole, who would do that? (laughs) Who would intentionally sign up for a marathon and bring, like, weights on (laughs) themselves? It doesn't make sense, right? It would hinder you from possibly doing it. Completing your goal. We often run like it is a sprint. We jump in, we pull a Peter or an Isaac, jump on the treadmill. I can do this. We never let go of the baggage. We never allow Jesus to have this conversation with us because we're constantly avoiding it. And Jesus is like, please you need to have this conversation with me. It's for your benefit. It's for your blessing and for the building of my kingdom. You need to do this. Sometimes we avoid other people too. I know for myself, if Caitlin was there on the treadmill with me, alongside me, (laughs) she would have been like, hey, you can do this. Get it done. You're almost there. Why do I know that? Because she's already done it before. <laughs> we need people in our life that are there to speak the truth to us, just like Jesus was there with Peter, right? Sometimes Jesus speaks through other people, which is, I think, why we sometimes avoid the church. It's <laughs> for so like, oh, those Christians. Why does the Holy Spirit always have to speak to somebody what I need to hear, <laughs> right? That it happens in Hebrews twelve. Here's another passage on endurance. Hebrews twelve, starting at verse one through four. I almost preached my whole sermon with this whole focus. It says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us." so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You need endurance? I know I do. (laughs) Look to the one who knows what it means to endure. (laughs) When I read this passage, that's what I think of. Jesus knew what it meant to endure. He knew what it meant to endure hardship. And until you shed your blood, that means die, (laughs) your endurance isn't over yet. (laughs) Until you shed your blood, your enduring faith, like Daniel talked about last week, is not finished. One thing that you need to do to be able to endure is get rid of that baggage you've been carrying. Baggage can look different to everybody. It could be sin, like it says in here. It could also be just a weight, which says every weight. So I think that that's not just sin. It could be insecurities. It could be the past haunting you, like it was for Peter. There's all sorts of things that baggage can look like. Every single one of them needs to get gone. We need to remove them. The only way it happens is really through the Holy Spirit and talking with Jesus and having an encounter with him that changes you. And that's what happened to Peter, right? You need time with Jesus regularly to say things that you need to hear in the same way that Jesus needed time with him or uh, Peter needed time with Jesus. Here's another thing. In the same way, Jesus was almost like a coach to Peter, right? In a marathon, you don't go into a marathon just by yourself. If you want, like, this serious goal to accomplish, look at the Olympics. Every single one of them has what? Every one of them's got a coach. Because why? They want to do their best. They want to compete to win. I would imagine the ones that don't have coaches are the ones that don't make it to the Olympics. (laughs) But in the Olympics, every single one of them goes with a coach. And the Spirit of God, who is so present in Scripture, behaves like a coach to us, Coaching us through this life that we have. And we need to be able to hear His voice. To know how to handle the treacherous road ahead. Because Jesus knows the road that's ahead of us. Daniel talked about it last week, that things might start to get really rough. Do you have a faith that's going to be able to endure it? Well, I would argue without the Holy Spirit, I don't know if you do. Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. And through what? Endurance. Look at your neighbor and say, Endurance. Through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I have hope for my future. I'm like, yeah, the world looks like it's going down the crapper. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> the world looks like it's not doing so hot, right? Do you guys have hope? I hope you do. If you don't, I question, are you in the Scriptures? Because for you, it looks pretty good. For you, you can have strength to endure through the Holy Spirit, which is found in the Scripture. It's found through encounter with Him, like Peter. Those moments are there to fill you up, to keep going. Like I said, baggage. Get rid of that baggage. It's not going to do you any good. I think a lot of the times, before I move on to the next point, it's almost like we come to Jesus. We've got this backpack on. We come to him. We're like, Jesus, I want to follow you. Forgive me, please, of my sins. We do the whole salvation thing, right? We fall on our knees. And Jesus is there. He picks us back up. We put the backpack down when we come to him. And then he says, follow me. We're like, okay. We pick the backpack up, right? And keep going with him. And he's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> Put that back down. But it's mine. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> not anymore. It's not going to do you any good. It's just going to hold you back. Now I like to think about Peter's situation. Before I hit point number three, which is power to endure. With Peter, he went from zeal to denial, right? He's so excited. I can do this for you. And then he denies him. And then he had to remove his baggage. And of all the people Jesus could have picked, part of me wonders, why didn't you pick John? He wasn't so impulsive. (laughs) But he picks him anyways, knowing... Well, well, the kind of person that he is, he's like, I can use that. The first sermon that was ever given after Jesus' resurrection was by Peter. The guy who was impulsive, overzealous, and he was somebody who stuck his foot in his mouth. But he used him to be his bold mouthpiece. And I mean bold. I want us to take a look at it. We'll go to Acts, starting in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 22 through 24, as well as verse 36. Peter's sermon is, dare I say it, accusatory. <laughs> he makes some accusations in this thing. And I think to myself, man, if I were to preach this sermon, I don't know if 3,000 people would come to know Jesus. <laughs> But that's what ended up happening. Starting in verse 22. It says, this is Peter speaking to a crowd after the Holy Spirit came and filled the believers. It says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus... Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be healed by it. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Does that sound like the same person as before? I mean, I look at this passage, and I'm like, gosh, he's like a different person. Sure, he's bold and impulsive, but he's not a coward anymore. This goes from somebody who was like, I will do everything for you, Jesus. I'm going to do amazing things. I will never deny you, even if all of they deny you, John. Matthew, the rest of them. I'm not going to do it, though, Jesus. And then he runs like a coward when a girl, a little girl, talks to him. (laughs) Aren't you the guy that was with Jesus? You're one of his disciples, aren't you? Leave me alone, little girl. No, I'm not. (laughs) To this, a guy who's standing before thousands of people, and he says, you crucified Jesus, just so you know. Now, I'm sure it wasn't as pointed. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was. But as a result, 3,000 people get saved. He preaches this amazing sermon, which if you read it, it's like, it's not like this crazy thing. He was just speaking the truth of God, which is amazing, right? But he just preached the truth, and God used him. And I would argue the difference is the Holy Spirit. Power to endure. Without the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't have done this. Without the Holy Spirit, he would not have spoken this truth. He wouldn't have done it. Going on to Acts chapter 3, verse 4-7. through Here's another one. Next chapter. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixes attention on them. This is a man that couldn't walk. He was a lame beggar that was sitting outside the temple. And they're on their way to the temple. And he says, look at us. And he fixes attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. asking for money. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. How many of you can relate to that? (laughs) No silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. The man gets healed and people are amazed by it. Doesn't sound like Peter. (laughs) But it's him, right? Amazingly enough, John was with him and he's the one that was doing the talking. (laughs) Sermon number two. Verse 13 of the same chapter. As a result of this guy getting healed, it raises a bunch bunch of commotion. There's a bunch of chaos happening. He goes into the temple and everyone's like, what? I've seen this guy here for years. And now he's jumping around? This is wild. I'd like to see a church service like that. but then he has this conversation with the people that are inside the temple. The God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Here it is again, right? He's making some bold claims. This is like, what, seven weeks after Easter at this point. It's been like little little under two months, right? So these people here, they know what he's talking about. <laughs> It was all throughout the land. Everybody knew what happened. And there were some of the people there that were saying, crucify him, crucify him. And he is bold enough as to say, yeah, the one that you guys crucified, he's alive. (laughs) And he's alive, and because he's alive, I'm speaking to you. Because he's alive, this man was raised up and was able to walk. And guess what? 2,000 more people came to believe that day. Here's the last thing I want to, to mention from Peter's life. Chapter 4. He stands before all of the leaders that were the actual ones who went about the plot to kill Jesus. How would you guys like to be in his position? <laughs> I don't know if I would. <laughs> but he stands before all the religious leaders at the time. The ones who even took the money from Judas. Gave him the money, I should say, and then he threw it back. It says, then Peter filled with the what? Holy Spirit. Said to them, rulers of the people and elders. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man. Given among men by which we must be saved. That does not sound like the guy who ran away from a little girl talking to him. (laughs) Right? It's a totally different person. God uses his boldness, though, right? Here's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit He doesn't, like, hijack you, (laughs) He doesn't take over your body and then you're suddenly doing things. You're like, ah! I have no control over myself. No. When you see that, that's not the Holy Spirit, okay? (laughs) But in this, he's this bold person, right? As far as temperaments go, I feel like he's probably a choleric. (laughs) But he's this excited guy. He's super passionate. It's all black or white. There's no gray in between. And the Holy Spirit uses that. He uses it for his glory. But his Holy Spirit presence inside himself, I mean, he's saying things Jesus said. Jesus said when he healed somebody, what is it for? What good deed do you want to arrest me and kill me for? That's what Jesus said. And he basically utters the same words. It's like, man, this guy has to be with Jesus. (laughs) sounds just like him. <laughs> it's because of the Holy Spirit present in his life. The difference between a life full of the Holy Spirit and someone who isn't, all expressed by Peter. Number one, is somebody who either, it, it, the difference is somebody who doesn't want suffering, they avoid it, they're complacent, versus somebody who rejoices in their suffering and ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.3 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. We need endurance to be able to carry out the road that's ahead of us. Because if you're scared about the future, if you're scared about the things around us, and what's coming, what could potentially be coming, You need endurance. How do you get that endurance? Through the Holy Spirit. That's how it's going to come. Somebody without the Holy Spirit avoids suffering. They're complacent in their faith. They're somebody who just settles what Peter did. Versus somebody with the Holy Spirit. There's somebody who rejoices in their suffering. They're glad to suffer for Christ, knowing full well if it's his will, all they want to do is what he wants. And they ask for more of the Holy Spirit. What's interesting after this specific situation with Peter, when he speaks to all the leaders, they tell him, okay, you can do this stuff, except for just don't mention Jesus, okay? (laughs) Not going to work. Wouldn't even be able to happen anyways, right? Through Jesus it happened. So the believers all get together. Peter, the disciples, others that were at Pentecost, they come together. as they're basically threatening them. Do not talk about Jesus anymore. Or we're going to bring the hammer on you. So they come together and they ask for boldness. They pray. They say, God, give us boldness that we will not keep quiet. Even in the midst of persecution, even with their threats, that we will not shut our mouth. So what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and fills all of them again. If you guys have been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can have it again. They're all the same people that were at Pentecost. And it says that they were filled with more boldness. How can you get more bold than what Peter was already doing? Somehow. (laughs) Somehow it happened. The next difference between somebody with the Holy Spirit versus without, based off the life of Peter, is somebody who doesn't share their faith versus somebody who speaks out boldly. Now this one, it's me. Because I don't claim to be somebody who's evangelistic. But we're all meant to share our faith, right? Now I ask you, when's the last time you did it? Like with somebody, you haven't done it before, who didn't know you were a believer. Hopefully there's not a lot of them. But as somebody who doesn't share their faith, like Peter, he was given a golden opportunity to say, yeah, I am one of his disciples. I'm glad you noticed. But what did he do? He got out of there quick. He was given a golden moment to declare Christ as the Messiah, which he had already done before. Yet instead he didn't. Somebody with the Holy Spirit is somebody who speaks out boldly. and We see that with Peter. It's a different person. Denial, who speaks boldly. What's the difference? It's the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to be filled again if you're somebody who would say, Yeah, I I know there's moments that I have had a chance to share Jesus and I just, I don't know, I just clammed up. I kept quiet. Maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. Ask for His boldness to fill you again in the same way the disciples did. The last one here. The last difference that I see. is Somebody who shrinks back Versus stepping up. There's some comparison. That's pretty similar right. To the last one but. The reason why I mention this specifically. Shrinking back versus stepping up. Is in Hebrews chapter 10. If you go there in your Bibles, I love this passage. It says therefore do not throw away. Your confidence. Which has a great reward. Don't give up the race. Don't decide to call it quits when you got 0.15 miles left. <laughs> you just end up feeling like a failure. <laughs> for you have need of what? Endurance. They don't have it up there for you yet. Hebrews 10. You have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back. Amen. We're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their soul. Are you someone who shrinks back like Peter did? You're given an opportunity to step up. You're given an opportunity to be bold. To speak out Jesus' truth. Or do you have that boldness? and you speak up like Peter did after the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're somebody here who's thinking, when you look at your faith, you go, why do I always find myself drinking back? Why do I always find myself keeping quiet? Is this just something wrong with me? Is it my temperament? Is it just how I am? Is this is it ever going to change? Why can't I be bold? Well you need the holy spirit to fill your life. That's the key ingredient. <laughs> the holy spirit is bold, right? But it's full of love and gentleness and kindness and goodness, patience, right? Those are the gifts of the the fruits of the spirit. But here's the thing, you cannot endure the road ahead without the holy spirit. You need it. In light of Pentecost Sunday, You need this. You need the boldness to be able to deal with the stuff that's coming up down the road. Jesus himself said, you're going to have troubles," And then he sent the Holy Spirit after he left. Not just that, but he actually told them to wait to receive it before they did anything. He's like, you guys are going to need this. I'm just going to tell you now. (laughs) You're not going to be able to endure through persecution without it. You're not going to be able to speak my truth to all the leaders that murdered me without it. (laughs) That's what he's telling Peter. You cannot endure the road ahead. You cannot have endurance without the Holy Spirit. Endurance is a key character trait of the church. It should be, right? And it requires the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 2, 11-13 says, This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with Him, we will also live with Him. This is the promises of God to you guys. Enduring faith. If we endure hardship, we will reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will deny us. If we are unfaithful, He remains faithful. For He cannot deny who He is. This is a picture of the promise, if you endure a hardship, you will reign with him. How do you endure the hardship, though? Through the Holy Spirit. Luke 21. This is the last verse I have for you. Luke 21, 16 through 19, says, You will be delivered up by even parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. Not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Endurance is key, right? This is Jesus telling the disciples about the end times. How many of you feel like we're in the end times? <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> Where are we at in it? I don't know, but he's coming soon, right? But this is the reality of the faith of believers. Jesus is warning the disciples, it's going to get tough. It's going to get hard. But by your endurance, you're going to gain your lives. Don't call it quits. Don't give up in your faith. There's going to be moments where you're tempted to. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit's power To endure those hardships without giving up. I want everybody to stand up. Prayer team, you guys can come forward. You can stretch. You guys had to endure a lot. (laughs) There's three things I want you guys to think about. First and foremost... As always, if you're somebody who's never put your faith in Jesus, you're like, man, I feel like I have no power (laughs) for anything. Not like that person you talked about. You're somebody who's like, man, what you're saying, it resonates with me. You'll never be able to endure without Jesus. Who's the one that brings the Holy Spirit? That can change today. If you're somebody who's never put your faith in Christ, that can change. In the same way Peter preached the message to thousands of people, and they said, what do we need to do? Repent for your sins, trust in Jesus, and give your life to him. That's the key. That's what you need to do. Number two. We're going to be doing this thing this summer. Starting in July, we're going to do a midweek service through Wednesdays where we're going to be talking on the Holy Spirit. And I didn't even know this until they came to me and I'm like, well, I'm already talking about that. So this works great. <laughs> bring your questions. If you've got questions about the Holy Spirit and you're like, I don't know who to ask this to or I'm, I'm scared to ask it. Bring these questions through the next several weeks on Sundays. Bring them here. You can hand them in. We'll have a way to do that. You can even just write it on a piece of paper if you want and put it in the boxes. I don't care. (laughs) I'm sure Michonne won't either. (laughs) But if you have questions, I I encourage you to write them. Put them in the words and give them to somebody. And we'll go through them this summer, which is also an encouragement. Come this summer, right? (laughs) Midweek service. And number three, if you need prayer for anything, come forward. Especially if you want prayer for the Holy Spirit. If you're somebody who's like, man, this person of the Holy Spirit you're talking about, I I feel like that's not in me. (laughs) I feel like I don't have that boldness you talk about. I feel like there's something missing. There's something missing. Come forward. Get prayer. Prayer for the Holy Spirit. That's what the disciples did. Even after Speaking boldly, like Peter did. He said, I want more. (laughs) I need more of this boldness. Because I know things are going to get hard. And without it, I don't know if I'm going to do it. I need His Holy Spirit filling my life to be able to walk in His will and do what He wants me to. So if you need prayer for anything at all, prayer for healing, something you're going through that you need to endure, right? For the Holy Spirit to fill you, I encourage you come get prayer. I'm going to pray, and then you guys are dismissed. God, we thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, like it says in your scripture. You did not leave us empty-handed, but you chose to go to the cross, do what we couldn't, for us to have us back. And then you sent your Holy Spirit to your church, to fill us with power to endure and have patience with joy for the road ahead. God, we thank you for the power to endure. That it is given freely. It's readily available. All we have to do is receive it. In Jesus' name, amen.